Good evening, everyone. Yeah. My name is Russ Whitfield. I am a network pastor, Pastor Grace Mosaic, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, so good to be with you all this evening. Uh, if you would, please join me as we pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening that we get to gather together as your people, but not just as your people, also with neighbors and friends and co-workers who are with us this evening. It's a privilege to be able to share this night together. And we ask that you would meet each of us exactly where we need to be met tonight. We pray that your word would take root in our hearts and that we would find you to be everything that we need. That our hearts would be lifted up in hope and gratitude as we think through all that you have done for us. We ask that Jesus would shine brightly this evening, that, that the person and work of Jesus, who he is and what he has done, would gleam in brilliance, that we would be able to see and understand, and even more, that we would go out marked by what we hear to live changed lives. So be with us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As they entered into the room where they were going to celebrate the Passover feast, each of the disciples noticed the water and the basin and the towel sitting off to the side as they made their way to their place at the table. And once they were all inside, Jesus took on the role of host as he blessed and distributed the various elements of the meal. And I imagine that before they were very far into the meal, the disciples began to wonder to themselves, where is the servant who's going to wash our feet? Is there no slave available to wash us? And then the most astonishing scene unfolds before their eyes. They could hardly believe what they were seeing as Jesus rose, took off his outer garments, tied a towel around his waist, and began to wash his disciples' dirty feet. He was the answer to their question. Yes, there is a servant available to wash you. But again, they could hardly believe what they were seeing. They were accustomed to seeing the weak stooping before the powerful. But here they see the powerful stooping before the weak. They knew that they should have been serving their Lord, but here their Lord is serving them. They thought that this kind of lowly service was beneath the dignity of a leader. But here Jesus shows them that this lowly service belongs to the dignity of a leader. They were peasants accustomed to putting themselves first. But here they see the king putting himself last. The one at whose feet heavenly beings fell down in worship is now holding in his hands dirty feet. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. It was this man, the greatest among men, who Jesus said is 
is this astonishing person among men. And yet this man, John the Baptist, said about Jesus, I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. And yet here this same Jesus is haunched over the dirty feet of his disciples. At the same time that he was holding the dirty feet of the disciples, he was holding the whole world in his hands. The same hands that crafted the mountains in creation. The same hands that Isaiah says scooped out the oceans and stretched out the heavens. The same hands that laid the foundation of the earth. The same hands that broke the chains of Egyptian slavery for Israel. The same hands that held the royal scepter. Those hands are now holding 30 feet. And it won't be long before those hands, engraved with the names of his people, would be nailed to a Roman cross. Like so many of his deeds on earth, Jesus' act of washing the disciples' feet was a symbolic act that was meant to lead them to deeper truths. By taking the form of a slave, and washing their feet. Jesus is pointing his disciples to the more profound act of cleansing that he would accomplish at the cross. You see, they had collected dirt on their feet from walking the roads of Jerusalem, but they collected dirt in their hearts by walking the path of unrighteousness. They collected filth in their minds by traveling the pathway of selfish ambition. It was this moral and ethical defilement of the heart that none but the servant of the Lord could wash away. This was a truly stunning act that was simultaneously a display of hospitality and love, not only for his disciples, but also for his enemies, because Jesus even washed the feet of Judas, he fully knowing that his betrayal was on the horizon. But it, it was a symbol of the cleansing and renewal that he would accomplish at the cross, but it was also a model of the humble Christian life of service. He left us an example of Christian conduct in this extraordinary act. And in fact, this foot washing becomes all the more astonishing when you realize that there is not another example in all of the ancient sources, Jewish or Greco-Roman, of a superior washing the feet of an inferior. You can look and you can read and you can research. You will find no other king or leader, no other superior who would stoop to wash the feet of his inferior. And yet here is Jesus showing us unprecedented humility, groundbreaking love, and trailblazing hospitality. And I can't help but think that as Jesus washed the disciples' feet, that the words of Scripture were going through his mind. 
Maybe it was the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah when he said, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Maybe it was the words of the prophet Ezekiel when he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Or perhaps it was the word of the Lord through Zechariah when he said, On that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Surely he was answering the question that Job asked when he said, Can a man be clean before his maker? Jesus answers, Yes. Yes, he can. Only if I cleanse him. As Jesus finishes washing the disciples' feet, he rises and standing before them is Jesus in the form of a servant clothed in little more than the dirty towel with which he washed their feet. They see all of the dirt that was on them now hanging upon Jesus. And this is the picture that the eyes of faith can see. Faith can see my dirt hanging upon Jesus, my filth hanging upon Jesus, my corruption, my pride, my sin, my selfishness hanging upon Jesus because he loved me to the end. In these his final hours, Jesus wants to revisit with his disciples once again the nature of his kingdom and the purpose of his mission. And it lands upon them very heavily when he tells them that he's going away. And doesn't it sound strange in our ears to hear Jesus tell his disciples that they cannot follow him where he is going? All through his ministry, Jesus met people and he said, follow me, follow me. For those three years, Jesus continually told people to follow him. But now he tells his disciples where I'm going. You cannot follow me. And this is why. To put it on the lips of Jesus, if the disciples were to really get down to the bottom of why they couldn't follow him, Jesus would say to them, I'm going to the place where sinners wither in the heat of divine anger. I'm going to the place where the corrupt unravel before the holy presence of God Almighty. I'm going into the deep sea of God's wrath where the sheer pressure of divine glory crushes the wicked. This place is known as the land of no return. It's the place of devastation and ruin. It's the place of divine judgment. It's the place of God's just fury. It's a place you couldn't imagine in an eternity of nightmares. It's the place where you should go, but it's the place where I shall go. Because the love with which I loved you from the beginning is the very love with which I will love you to the end. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end.
After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus puts his outer garment back on. He returns to the table, and then he asks his disciples the most penetrating question. Do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what I have done for you? This is the question that precedes his call to the life of humble service. This is the question that precedes his new commandment. And this is the question that is to drive the entirety of the Christian life. Do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand that I traded a throne for a cross to turn your mourning into dancing? Do you understand that I chose the curse for myself so that I could pour out God's blessing on you? Do you understand that I have become poor so that you could become rich? Do you understand that I came to bear the cross so that you could wear a crown? Do you understand what I have done to you? Listen. When your heart recoils from taking the low place to serve, hear your lowly Savior asking you, do you understand what I have done to you? When you want to verbally lash out to demean or slander your opponents, hear your Lord asking you, do you understand what I have done to you? When you feel the urge to selfishly hoard money in the face of your neighbor's needs, hear Christ asking you, do you understand what I have done to you? When you find it challenging to love difficult people in difficult circumstances, hear Jesus asking, do you understand what I have done to you? This is the question that should govern our days. This is the question that should order our loves. This is the question that should drive our practices. Do you understand what I have done to you? And if you're here this evening and you're still working through issues of life and faith and doubt and skepticism, Jesus would ask you a slightly different variation of this question. Do you understand what I can do for you? Do you understand what I can do for you if you simply place your trust in me? Dirty though you may be, I am the one who can clean you. I am the one who can take out the stain. I am the one that can make you whole again. Do you understand what I can do for you? It's faith alone that turns can into have. Faith alone. Friends, when we understand what Jesus has done to us, when we sink deeper roots into the love of Christ, when our hard hearts are melted by the deep love of Jesus, then we will find ourselves not just having a Maundy Thursday, but a Maundy Monday through Saturday. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you.
As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Amen. Do you understand what I have done to you? And Jesus does everything he can to make sure that you do. Not simply.